Little mice fell in a bucket of cream. The first mouse quickly gave up and drowned. The second mouse wouldn't quit. He struggled so hard that eventually he turned that cream into butter and crawled out. Gentlemen, as of this moment, I am that second mouse. <laughs> it's amazing. He's talking about motorcycle insurance. Now let's start the show. Step Well, well, well. What a man. What do we have here? Why don't, are you looking no, at me like that, Q? Don't want to. It's man. me, Tom. <laughs> it's me. Look, see the boar's head hat. Uh, all right. I mean, you sound like a, like a real lib, so I mean, you must be Tom then. I've been getting better help. <laughs> <laughs> How's Emily doing, by the way? My wife. Well, folks, uh, welcome to another episode of <laughs> the Second House Podcast, <laughs> uh, where we like to talk about the daily musings of uh, what's going on and uh, why we're uh, bringing it to the people. Liberalism, education, very important. Read your books, and you can find us on all your major platforms. Tom, is your pick of the week another book about like the historical standards of like World War One? Uh, it's actually about uh, the FCC and um, how they were ri- originally supposed to only do uh, signs um, on billboards and um, how it shaped America and changed the interstate system. Um, Interesting. <laughs> But there was a lot of racial tensions with it, so we have to be sensitive of it. Well, Tom, uh, I think Tom... You didn't ask me about Formula One. (laughs) I was not prepared for this. (laughs) So, Tom, it's weird because there's another Tom. There's an imposter Tom who wants to do an intro. And I, I don't know who this is because it can't be because Gatto's busy, right? So like he's he can't do it today. And you're Tom, clearly, clearly. But there's another Tom that says he wants to do an intro, and I I don't I don't know who this is. I mean, it's it's for the people, so we should just let him do it. <laughs> equality. I'll tell you something about equality. I don't have anything to say about equality. <laughs> All right, I don't. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah. Don't go down that road. Please don't go down that road. Um, <laughs> God, this is a mess. <laughs> he fucking threw me off with saying he wants to do an intro, and then just doesn't come in. That was All me. Right. <laughs> oh my god. 
I forgot you changed. Oh god! I was like, "What's going on here?" Uh, like, I'm, I'm trying to keep it going, but I don't have anything left. All right. Well, that was a mess. So I, I, I. All right. Yeah, that was. A mess. <laughs> How pissed is Tom right now? Because <laughs> I didn't see you change your name to Tom. So I'm thinking Tom's in the room somewhere, and he's like, "I want to do an intro." And it's just you doing a Tom intro. So, yeah, that's it's great podcasting, by the way, guys. Fantastic. <laughs> we're, we're fucking crushing this shit. Surprise! <laughs> it's, it's me. We're going to have to cut all that out. So, hey, how you doing, Gatto? It's me, Gatto. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. It was you the entire time. I bet I fooled you. I bet I fooled you. How you been, man? Um, I, uh, have been released on parole for, you know, time served. So there's that. Fantastic. I'm glad to hear. Cause like I, I, but I heard you escape though. So I'm, you, you are still a suspect at large. Oh, big time. That's why you're hiding out in your mansion right now. Yes. My liberal elitist mansion in Seattle, Washington. If anyone asks, that's what your, v- that's at least what your VPN says. No, mine says Singapore. (laughs) (laughs) All right, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Second Mouse Podcast. Tom is at some kind of Greenpeace rally, or I don't know. I don't listen to him when he talks. Um, So he will not be joining us today um, because he's a fucking lib, and I crush libs, so that's what I do. Uh, Gatto, you are back. You're free. How's it? How you feeling right now? Great. Fantastic. Um, so without Tom here, Tom's usually the one who <laughs> things, kind of like our producer. So this is going to be very awkward and dumb today. So I'll just <laughs> everyone who's actually listening right now. Um, so anyway, Gatto, so we wanted to go over a couple of different topics. been kind of a weird day. So I wanted to get your takes on it. What did you want to start with? Do you want to start with the right-wing news host or the future right-wing news host? I think you need to fill me in in the first place on what has happened. So it was announced today that Fox News basically said that Tucker Carlson has been relieved of his duties. Um, And this is coming of a bit of surprise because none of us saw this coming because Tucker Carlson did a show on Friday. He said, I'll see you on Monday. And. They basically announced today that he has been let go and he's not coming back. Now, mind you, also, it's very customary that if a person's leaving for whatever reason, they're allowed to do a final show. Fox News has not allowed him to do that. I don't believe Tucker Carlson has put out a statement as of yet. So, one, I'm not shocked he said he'd see you on Monday because the guy already lies fucking for a living. So, big whoop to do there. But it seems that he doesn't. Doesn't. He wasn't he wasn't aware that he was going to be getting pulled from air anytime soon. The LA Times is saying basically that he was pushed out by Rupert Murdoch. Now, for what reason, we don't know. Um, it, it, it there's not a lot of information, and apparently Tucker has not been very forthcoming in like providing any updates to this. So this is still gonna be something, one of those things that I think we don't know about, but like your initial reactions. Um, how you feel about it 
which I, I already think I already know the answer to. Um, but also what do you like, again, we're just speculating here. So like, we're being very, we're being very clear. We don't have any facts to this. So this is not us making a proclamation. It's do you, what do you believe led to this? So I'm going to go on, um, I'm going to go on a hunch here and I'm going to mm-hmm. say that the reason Tucker was let go was mm-hmm. he had a gentleman's agreement with Rupert Murdoch that he would say some sort of phrase or word a certain amount of times, maybe sexy M&Ms or something. He had to say it like a hundred times throughout the year and he only got to 99 because he has trouble counting. And because of that, he lost the bet and Rupert Murdoch said, you're gone. No questions asked. <laughs> That's my how do you How do you, how do you feel about Tucker Carlson being relieved like what are your initial feelings on it do you feel happy are you like surprised I mean I'm relieved that it's one less like you know amplifier for or microphone of this crazy echo chamber on the right but um, I'm also really sad for the M&Ms that are going to be sexually abused now that Tucker Carlson has all this free time (laughs) <laughs> the places those little m&ms will go on that man's body it's horrifying yeah he's uh he's he's clearly not going to be able to talk about how sexy the green m&m is um now this what's weird is though that like this is just kind of a surprise i imagine that this has a lot to do again with dominion um, those text messages that were released where he basically called Donald Trump a psychopath. and But it's weird, though, because I don't think Tucker was the most egregious person on the network regarding the election lies. Like, I don't think he was even the most egregious person um, with that. Like, he was bad, obviously, but, like, everyone is culpable. Like, so if they're going to try and pin a lot of this stuff on him, it seems weird. But also, I want to point out that, like, the... The lawsuit, like the text messages, they could have easily solved that problem if they had just settled with uh, Dominion. But they allowed it to go to Discovery. And then, of course, during Discovery, they get everything. So all of a sudden, they got all of his text messages. I don't know if you saw those text messages that like, he basically was calling the election lie stuff bullshit in private. But then, of course, going on a show and going like, this is the biggest fucking problem ever. So, like, he clearly is not a true believer. He's just selling whatever is hot and going to get him ratings. But it's just funny to me that, like, they allow Fox News could have easily nipped it in the bud and just not allowed those text messages to come out because there was also, I think, text messages from Rupert Murdoch and emails from him. It's like, you're kind of giving away the gambit if you just fucking settle with them. Call it a day. But I mean, okay, so how does a network try to remove culpability for something that they are now culpable about because there was basically a group of high ranking members of your news organization that were Mm -hmm. kind of working in a cabal to bring doubt into a democracy. Um, (laughs) And they were clearly in cahoots with um, a few people on drumming up as much fake news as humanly possible to discredit um, these election systems created by Dominion. Yeah. And 
what do what do your lawyers tell you to do in this situation? Well, go after them. So release all that information, get it out there in your own court proceedings, then go after them, fire them, bankrupt them, basically just own them and get as much money back as you now rebrand your company. And that might be what they end up doing. So do you think that they're going more center right at this point? Or are they going to like try and scale back the um, the more like fringe right wing stuff and like they'll see that to One America and, and uh, Newsmax? I don't know because Fox News is probably still at an all time high in viewership. I don't think no. their numbers have dipped. He was long. he's the, he is the number one pro like news program in the country. I mean, it just could be that, like, oh, sorry. It just could be that they brokered a deal that, you know, this is part of, you know, our, like, we don't know what the full settlement was. Was it just cash? Was it also remove these people? Who knows? You know what I mean? There could be, so there's a multitude of things here. Because there's another lawsuit coming, right? Isn't there? There another? is another, there is another yeah. one coming. Yeah. So, I, I, I think there was a lot of talk about the Dominion lawsuit because it ended up being seven hundred and eighty-seven um, million, billion, yes. million. Yeah. So it ended up being seven, yeah, million, not billion, seven hundred eighty-seven yeah. million. Now Yahoo News reported a couple of days ago that apparently they can deduct up to about two hundred thirteen million of it in as like a, a tax write-off. Operating, so, yeah, right. So it still leaves them on the hook for about a half a billion dollars, which is in retrospect doesn't like it's it sucks, but like I, it doesn't seem like it's going to be something that hampers Rupert Murdoch. You know, no, it's not about hampering. It's about that you've now slowed me down and earning. Right. You know, all my wealth that I will in my lifetime, right? Like, but it's, like, this is my issue though. How do you go from, okay, we're down half a billion dollars in revenue. Now we're going to get rid of the number one, highly, highest rated news show in the country as a way to like recoup fun. Like, you're going to lose viewership. Like, cause who, who could they put in that spot? That would would give them the same ratings, but like more safety on on that. Especially because it's been proven that Tucker's not a true believer, right? It's been proven that he's not like he's only about what my ratings will do, because those text messages prove that beyond a shadow of a doubt. I so here's a theory though that I have about his ratings. Okay, and I only know this because of um, retirement communities in Florida. Right. And that is that they have like they carry weird sleeping hours in these retirement communities. Basically, they go out for for dinner around 4 p.m. They come home early. They get, all, they get all juiced up watching some Fox News, but they pass out somewhere around the time Tucker Carlson comes on. And I think, yes. And I think eight o'clock. When he comes on, they're just passed out on the couch half the time. And so I don't think people are actually listening to it as much as they're just getting incepted by it. I, I think and, you underestimate Tucker Carlson, honestly, in his reach. I don't know. I think he has reach because he's probably, you know, like the 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 person who feels egregious by all the scary changes going on in America. He's 
He's like the perfect avatar to bring them, you know, all their fears on a silver platter. But I just feel I, like I feel like if you were trying to send a message about the election stuff of like this cost the company half a billion dollars, you idiots. I feel like Hannity or In- or Ingram would have been a better or what's better, his face? What's his face? Jesse uh, Jesse Waters, yeah, or Gutfeld, yeah, yeah. Gutfeld. Yeah. It's a fucking horrible show. But like, I, it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me to go after t- Tucker. So I, I wonder if I wonder if it was somewhat mutual to a certain extent. Like, I I have to wonder a little bit um, because like somebody I forgot who it was. Somebody had said that like this was such a surprise that pretty much at this point it's either he killed somebody or. Like, I mean, is it a, you know, I was like, is it an O'Reilly situation again? Right. You know, something like that. Um, I was actually going to say, do you think it's the political thing? No, I, I don't think he's dipping like and, and like, I think he has political aspirations. He saw what Trump did and he, he knows he, he could do it better. Sure. And, he, but, and he's probably got better polling numbers than Trump right now. Trump's killing it right now. I don't take. You, I don't know. You better man. fucking bite your tongue, sir. Yeah, he's but back. only because he's got people. He's back. He's he's yeah because Ron he's just clouding. He's he's clouding on Meatball Ron left and right, bro. I, I want to get. I want to talk about Meatball Ron in the, in a few minutes because like he's jebbing it better than Jeb ever did. Um. So I want to I want to talk about that in, in a couple minutes, but. What's interesting to me is that like if I feel like if if I feel like that would be good for the network to have him running for president, like he maybe he's going to quit. But like it seems like they would be like, hey, go for it, man. Like, you know what? Go on your last show and like announce your bid and fucking like I don't feel like it would be a thing where they go like, no, 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 you're fired. Get out of here. This is you. These are this is you right here with. How great would it be for never, how, no, no, hold on, hold on. Okay. This is this is you though. 100%. You you have stated time and time again. I'm I'm using your very good valid point. Okay. That canceling does nothing to people. In fact, it might do the opposite. And what would be better for Tucker Carlson to go on a political um campaign than to say that he was canceled by the system by big corporatism by all these things and he's coming to speak for the little guy and all this even though he's a multi-millionaire right swanson swanson family dinners baby i'm te- so like that's what i'm saying man he's got he's got the cash the political clout he has got all the connections he are he, you are you arguing that rupert murdoch is playing along with him in this i'm merely saying do we have proof that it came from Rupert Murdoch, though? No, Just no. That, well, you know, because he was he was fired, right? Or at least like that's what again, like Fox News put out that they they have let him go. So it's not like he quit as if as of right now. Again, things can change in a minute because not a lot of information is being put out about this. But basically, they're saying that he was let go. And again, it is weird that like. He didn't have a final show, and they're not allowing him to have a final show. Like they basically said, he will not be allowed. Like I think it was a press release. Like he basically, they basically said, like he will not be having a final show on Monday. Dude, he must have like, he must have brought like some like it, it has to be some sort of crazy thing that he did. Honestly, 
Well, that's what people are like. There was again, I, I saw somebody on Twitter. I can't remember who it was, but somebody said like he either is running for president or he murdered someone, and they just found out. Like that's how they're treating this. Like he, he I, it, I feel weird. like he he might have like gotten caught at like a Nazi rally or something. Like well, it, his it, his writer apparently I had been like posting on like white power uh, message boards allegedly. That's what I I I'd seen. So. It's it's not uncommon. And like you watch his show, it's basically just like white power adjacent at this point. Um, it's it's really not that far. But again, like this just goes to show that like how sinister a guy like Tucker really is because those text messages show that he thinks Trump's a madman. He thought Sidney Powell, the Kraken, was like a crazy person and didn't want her to have her on, but obviously did because he needed her for ratings. And like it just goes to show he doesn't believe in the shit he's peddling to people. He just he does it for money. What if it came to light that he was deliberately doing this because he's a big lib and he's trying to create this fucking dissonance so to just shatter the minds of the easily shattered minded people? Well, this is what's funny is that I had a conspiracy theory because he used to be on MSNBC. He used to do a show with Rachel Maddow back in the day. That's when he had the that's when he was bow tie Tucker. I was I was laughing how funny it would be if he ends up going back to MSNBC. And he's just like he talks about the whole the right being insane. He goes, Donald what Trump he- today <laughs> seems like he's crazy. Seems unhinged. <laughs> I don't know about you. I wouldn't vote for him for president. I don't know about you. Not me. Didn't we also have this character too? We had we had uh <laughs> We had, we had no, we had no. We it was lib- it was liberal Alex Jones. Liberal Alex Jones talking about oh, like just yeah, literally yeah. like listen, equality is at the forefront of everything in this country, and globalism is going to be what makes this country great. Free trade, it needs to happen. Um, I, at the end of the day, I think at the end of the day, abortion should be widely available, safe, but rare. That's what we're hoping for, guys. Like you know, so we were we yeah. were doing liberal Alex Jones, but like Don't MSNBC. Website. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Joe Biden today came out and said that he's running for re-election. I think it's a great idea. Like, just like <laughs> MSNBC, uh, Tucker Carlson. No, I mean, I just thought it would be funny if he ends up going back to MSNBC. I thought it would be kind of funny and like kind of like just, but like, there's no way he's gonna do like he's gonna he's gonna do what every guy does now. He's gonna do his own podcast. He's gonna do a free form like Joe Rogan. He'll get some exclusive deal with like Spotify, not not Spotify. Some some so company will not. give, yeah. Some company <laughs> will give him like an exclusive rights deal for his podcast. He'll make like a hundred and a hundred million dollars off of it, and like that's what he's gonna do. Like I like I, there's no way he's gonna go back to being on network television. Why would you do that? Who cares? You know. But I don't know. It's it, it's weird. So let's let's shift for a minute because we talked about Ron DeSanctimonious. He's in Japan today. I don't, did you see the video I sent you? There's a very weird video of him going around. Um, somebody I mean, at there's very weird videos of him all the time. Uh, he's a weird dude. So there's a video of someone asking him about his poll numbers going down um, against Trump, and he goes, "I'm not a candidate." And like he just like makes this weird looking face and like, "Oh, we'll see if it changes." And it's like he, he talks like a psycho. But apparently, I, I don't know if this is a hundred percent accurate. But like, I have to I have to double check if it was a complete. It was actually a valid source that I saw that there were some quotes of like from like some right wing guys in Florida, like Rick Scott and Marco Rubio, that were not talking very glowingly about him. Um, it seems as though 
Ron DeSantis's campaign is kind of imploding before it even starts. This is funny because this was something that I think was predicted a while back by either you or Tom, the real Tom, not the better, hotter Tom. <laughs> um, and it was that um, it it was it was exact like that. He's his brand is only good for like Florida or Texas politics. Yes, I I was and, making that point a couple, like two months you know, ago, and that he's not he's not a very gifted um orator he's nope. not like he struggles with a lot of things like he can't handle difficult questions yep he's just not he's not good if he's not well rehearsed he's and, insulated you i think you can argue he's insulated in florida right because he has that ability to just be like get that reporter out of here but you can't do that on a national level like you can't tell like a cnn reporter or like even a fox news reporter to get out like he just doesn't yeah. work that way What's funny also is that I agree with you there that like, yeah, that was the point I was making like a month or two ago was that like his brand, I think the midterms kind of showed that, right? Because one of the main reasons a lot of people were freaking out on the night of the midterms was that the early returns were from obviously the polls that closed the earliest, which was Florida. Mm-hmm. And it showed that Ron DeSantis won in Miami and it's like, fuck, like we are fucked. And then all of a sudden everything else starts to close Pennsylvania michigan wisconsin and it's like oh this is actually looking really good for the democrats so the only states that really did like the democrats did poorly in which was texas and florida which i've written off both of them um at least on a national level for a while so i don't think ron DeSantis. i like i'd argue also that him doing this Disney thing still like it was one of those things in the beginning that like I think people liked like they were like he's taking on Disney the fucking libs and Disney all they did was like very passively say we support the LGBT community and he has been on what a two year three year tirade trying to destroy them and it's not working and I don't think it's so much because like you know that is like a thing they love to to rally against culture but yeah but I think it's the fact that it's like he's he's so he's still stuck on it and he's it's like nothing's changed nothing like changed. he's he's not showing that his hand is like he's that powerful or that yeah. you know he's able to make these things happen and on top of that it's it's just like yeah but you're just still fucking with like the economy in a stupid way you know what I 60, mean 60,000 like, employees don't look good for business 60,000 Florida employees for Disney. Yeah. That's like a lot of people in your own state that you'd be putting out of a job if Disney decides to go elsewhere. Look, if you're an important guy with a lot of things going on, like you don't just focus on this thing. Yeah. Maybe you come back to it every so often. Yeah. But like you you got other things on, you know, on the fucking itinerary, right? You're going to you're going to keep it moving. You got to keep about, it moving. He joked about building a state prison next to Disney. And it's like you are the governor of Florida and you're trying to cut your own you're trying to cut your own knees out by essentially you're one of the biggest cash cows in the state and you're going to like put a prison next to it so no one wants to go there. Like congratulations like and like have them move somewhere else. So now they're like let's say let's imagine that uh, it goes to like Nevada or something, right? Like like Disney just ups and moves to Texas or Nevada or somewhere else and around there. Like, I'm at, like, lose, like, you're putting 60,000 Floridians out of a job. 
and a big cash cow in your state is gone. So like, congratulations, you just fucked yourself. Hope you, I hope you enjoyed owning the libs, but, um, so his poll numbers have been really, really bad. Um, Trump is pretty much just like running roughshod over him. I'm seeing Trump attack ads on DeSantis. Obviously we saw the pudding finger one. Um, I'm seeing now a lot where he's, they're basically saying that he's going to cut social security. He's going to cut Medicare. So it looks like Trump is really starting to like go after him pretty hard. And it's pretty smart by him because like right now, Trump is the only major player in the Republican party that has announced the bid. Like there's Nikki Haley and like a couple other fucking losers that are not going to like do anything, but it's pretty smart to like cut Ron out of this pretty quickly. And like, it seems like a lot of his, there was also, I think a leaked discord chat or, or something else that kind of came out of our Slack channel or something that was like Ron DeSantis donors that are basically like, he's not, he's, he's not Ron. He is, you know, Ron DeSantis is a perfect nickname because he keeps being sanctimonious mm. and that he thinks he's above this. And it's like, if you're going to beat Trump, you have to get in a phone booth and start fighting. Yeah. Otherwise he's just going to run rush out over you. It's. And I think it's like, if, if you're not going to come on twice as strong as he is, he'll never back down. Never. Right? There's cause you're just, you're not up to the task. Like, no. And it's, and it's funny because it's like, yeah, you just got to get out there and fucking call Trump like a fucking buffoon over and over again and use old-timey, like, insults that, like, you know, Probably Joe like, Biden he had when he was a kid. He doesn't got it, man. Like, he's just not built for it, man. Like, I, you can see it that he is just not built for it. And, like, that's why I'm saying that, like, I didn't think – I didn't consider him a serious candidate, really, because of the fact that, like, he just doesn't look like he ever really had it. And he just looks like a guy who's, like, very – like, enjoyed being in Florida. But, like, what's what's funny, though, is that I actually thought he might pull out and mm-hmm. just say, like, I'm going to focus on Florida for now. I'm not worried about national stuff. But then I realized that, like, someone had pointed out that apparently his term limit is up in 2026. So he so he basically will be out of the public eye. So 2028 doesn't really work for him. He needs to run now to remain relevant. So not that he can't run for like anything else. He can run for like Senate or whatever and probably win. But like he's he's not going to last very long. So at this point, is he Jeb or do you think that he has any opportunity at this point to maybe like come back? He's not Jeb, but like I think he's he might be worse than Jeb. I Well, no, like Jeb. No, because Jeb, Jeb has absolutely no pizzazz. He is so mild mannered. That is what is funny about him that he doesn't have any anything to run on except that he actually was like a politician that did. By the things. way, Jeb endorsed Ron DeSantis. By the way, well, this this kind of it more it feels more like Jeb is the mush of the Republican Party, <laughs> right? Who would have thought he was the prodigal son? He was the prodigal son. He was supposed he was to be meant like, to be. yeah, yeah. The, he the was groomed one. to be the big one. And then George W. just comes in and fucking steamrolls. Oh, that's just because that that brand of Republicanism was dying fast. It wasn't mm-hmm. a good brand. For sure. And and um, I think I don't think DeSantis is like because Jeb is low energy and Ron DeSantis is more like Ron DeSantis is more like um powered by beans energy or something just like 
like it's it's like gasish energy or nervous energy. It's please clap. Yeah, like no, he's he's like clap, clap to this. You know, like it's a. Uh, I don't know. He's the thing about Ron DeSantis. I think is that there's there's like. There's a level of like creep in him that hasn't been. I think we all know it. There's like a level of creep with him that hasn't been like exposed yet. Well, he used to go to he used to go to fucking high school parties and hang out with high school kids. Allegedly, that he was um, teaching. Yeah, allegedly. allegedly, any type of rumor like that just seems already bad for your brand. I don't care who you are. And Trump hit him on that. Trump already like. Trump already kind of hit him on that and hasn't really gone like full into it yet, but like he could at any point start calling him the water. They can start calling him the P word real fast. And then like that's where like I'm waiting for it. It hasn't happened yet. And I think that's why that's why his campaign, he put out a thing just before where he was like, he's like, yeah, I haven't even entered the the running for president yet like that, I don't that know was the what... video i sent yeah he yeah. was basically saying like i haven't even announced yet but we'll guess we'll see and it's like i'm starting to wonder if he, like if he might just Bow not out. even bother not even bother yeah. i mean i feel like he has to at this point because he's just it's just too much in place at this point and again like i said 2028 he's not going to be better off in 2028 no than he is now no i think the there's, best he can hope be a for sharknado in florida before then <laughs> I think the best thing he can hope for is that Trump, like with his indictment and everything, Trump just gets like bogged down by lawsuits and court appearances and all that, and that he just becomes, you know, the he just becomes the best available option. But then again, I wouldn't be shocked if like Marco Rubio or, or Ted Cruz like beats him in a like a one on one. Like I just don't like I don't see it with him. He is just so he is so far to brained. That like he just doesn't even. I don't think he has his pulse on the finger of like the national, like what is affecting national. And again, I want to talk about like this attack on trans people that has been kind of going on. This like the attack on the LGBT uh, community. God, this fucking crusade of stupidity and Dobbs, and also the attack on Dobbs and everything like that. Um, <sighs> what a weird showmanship! Like it's not attempt. working. It's not. It's, it's not like they they have there was a poll done. I ha- I'll have to find out who was that on a positive or negative scale, trans issues are about five percent of the electorate. Five percent. Good or bad, whether you support it or you don't support it, or like it's a nat like I care about this and is the reason why I vote. And yet guy like Ron DeSantis has made the LGBT stuff and like the book like school indoctrinating your kids into becoming trans. They've made that their entire platform. And that's why I'm saying it doesn't work on a national level. Like what you should be hitting is the economy. Like that's mm-hmm. what you should be hitting. And like they still haven't figured that out because like Ben Shapiro and Matt Walsh and all those guys are still like on they're transing your kids in school. And guess what? Voters don't give a shit. So I think it's funny because I think what what they did or what they believed was they were like, oh, Hey, here's a wedge issue. Here's a wedge issue. Here's a wedge issue. And their whole, the whole thing for their platform, their whole, their whole way their party works is they just get a lot of single issue voters and they just try to suck up as many as they do, but they've saturated their market 
and they know they've saturated their market and they've picked up conspiracy theorists and all those other crazies, but it's not enough to still win in a highly contested national election. And now they're like trying to pick up on the weird fringe pieces and they're just not enough to pick up on. People don't care enough on these issues, on these topics. And every time that they, they do something in the courts, the negative effect occurs because of it. And needless okay. to say, they're yeah. fucking killing, they're shooting themselves in the fucking foot. So I've argued that Dobbs, getting Dobbs overturned is kind of like the dog catching the car. Mm-hmm. In that, like, yes. you know, they argue me like, oh, when a dog catches a car, like, it wouldn't know what to do with it if it catches it anyway. Like, what is it going to do? Yeah. This is this, this is the thing that they've been campaigning on. And, like, I think a big portion of it was, like, they liked abortion being legal was because it was an easy way to fundraise. Like, we're going to get it ter- overturned, knowing full well, like, you're never going to overturn it. And then now they finally got it overturned. It, and they're like, fuck, people don't like no restrictions. I mean, Kansas. <laughs> Kansas had that thing on the docket of like, should abortion be overturned? And like, I think it was like 72% or something voted no. There, there's like a part of me that believes they didn't even believe in themselves. They didn't. And they really were just like, it's going to get shut down somewhere. And right. that will, that will be where we double down our efforts. That makes it look like we're doing this, even though our real goal is that whatever it is, they, they, they had drastically... won over the fucking courts. They drastically <laughs> underestimated how many people are pro-choice in this country. They drastically under- underestimated. But again, but I'd argue, Gatto, that I don't know if you've been keeping track of the uh, the the abortion pill case in the Supreme Court. I, I'm wondering if, like, politics are starting to, like, I've always argued that Supreme Court is not really, like, impartial, right? There's been, like, nothing that's oh, been never impartial. Been. But, like, especially now that, like, they're, like when, when I saw... The Texas judge put oh, one, one sec. When I saw the Texas judge put out that he was going to ban um, the abortion pill nationally, and then it was going to the Supreme Court, I'm like, it's gone, it's gone. Like they're they're gonna they don't give a fuck. They're they're gonna get rid of it. And to see that it not only stays like they allowed it to stay on the market, it was only Alito and Tom and Clarence Thomas that voted in the negative. So that means fucking Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, Barrett. All sided and and also obviously um, Roberts all yeah. voted to keep it on the market and these are like stone cold cons- because I think they know we're getting crushed by this Dobbs thing. So I I think too though that we cannot underestimate the power, the reach, and the emphasis that the American economy plays into this and how powerful lobbies still are and whatnot even if you're not allowed to do certain things like lobby for a certain you know um uh ruling in a court case you know we've clearly seen that access to supreme court justices is very easy and readily available and you can gift them in other ways right and uh i i think i think there's like there's like having these like value like you know prohibition was like a lofty goal at one time right that mm-hmm. people thought was a good idea and they realized how bad of an idea it was and so 
I think this is their way of saying, yeah, maybe this is one way you can't get it, but this is the other. You know, it's like, yeah, nothing's really changing, right? Like, this is America. We don't really make changes here. <laughs> we no. keep the system intact because it it pays it pays the checks, right? At the end of the day. And yeah, it's, and it's a uh, it's just interesting because it's like I I'll I'll give Alito and Thomas credit that they are hardliners to to the end. Like I think like. I mean, Roberts, Roberts is a pragmatist idiots, but like. right. Well, no, they're, they're evil. They're evil bastards. Don't get me wrong. I'm But at least they are consistent evil bastards. So they like, get off at the thought of being evil bastards. I will yeah, give of course. them that. I, I will. <laughs> um, I give them credit at least that they're, they're consistent. This time's way harder. <laughs> Um, I'll give them credit that they're at least like consistent in their efforts to be complete fucking assholes. But like, it is interesting because like, yeah, you're seeing this Harlan Crow stuff. Tom and I were talking about this last week uh, about Clarence Thomas. And it's just, it's just interesting to see, but like, it look, at least it looks like as of right now that like Gorsuch and, and Kavanaugh and Barrett and all of them. And, and Roberts has always been kind of a pragmatist that they kind of see, like, maybe they realize like, fuck, we're getting killed like and like it could lead to some really like in 2024 if there's another like if the democrats are able to kind of gain steam again in 2024 under the dobbs issue like don't be surprised if there's a big enough majority that they start talking about expanding the courts and getting rid of um or like you know ultimately giving them like a, a a more liberal heavy court so like i think they're kind of aware that like we need to kind of toe the line so uh, like i was shocked when that ruling came down um, because especially Barrett, like Kavanaugh and, and Gorsuch, sure, you know, Roberts, I get, but like, I was kind of shocked by Barrett in the sense that like, she actually, cause she's a very hard liner when on a push. She was, she'd never been she's shy. The one that I was shocked about too. Yes. I, it wouldn't have I mattered have because agree. it still would have been six, three in that regard. But like, I'm surprised it wasn't, it was but just Thomas and Alito. She is also a woman who i think she's trying to rem remind people that like like at the end of the day like i think she still believes in women having rights and she does making not. decisions no she, does she not. I, I i would argue she still does or at least she needs <laughs> to remind people this i i can't imagine she's completely against her own <laughs> her own sex like it just doesn't and she's not in her own mind i think she's confused about where religion takes I over think, in the situation i think but she's religion a crazy wasn't, religion wasn't part of the case docket here right no. that's what it comes down to if it was if this was on religious grounds if this case was based on religious grounds totally different story but i don't even know if you could argue that though because like i don't think you could argue on like they're arguing safety standards which like that would cause the question the fda but like i don't think religious like how would how would that play religiously though because like your right to not take it it'd be one thing if it would be forced on you like if you had to take the abortion pill every single day like but, that would be a case where you could argue religious liberty like i'm not gonna or, take or it, like, no no like a pharmacist refuses to sell the pill to you know, someone on religious grounds would. But be they were they were arguing on a national. They wanted to argue it on a national level. They probably should start yeah. on a local level. But like, but, yeah, that's like, but it takes way too long. Who knows what will happen by then? We'll have male birth control anyhow because it's pretty much here already. God, I wish. And, and that shit will never get overruled. So, nope. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> I can't wait to be <laughs> sterile. <laughs> oh God! All right, I'm gonna leave that on that.
Uh, can't God can't wait to be sterile, guys. Um, all right, so let's transition. <laughs> um, unless you have anything else you wanted to talk about on that. About um, me wanting to be sterile? Yes. Um, can't come soon enough. I don't no. know. <laughs> all right, so let's transition to something a little bit lighter. Um, Aaron Rodgers is a New York Jet. I thought you so, said something lighter. This is something yeah, that true. I only talk about in my dark room. <laughs> While staring at the wall. All right, so the trade – it's funny enough because I have a friend who's a Jets fan. I was actually talking with him yesterday about this before the news even broke, and I actually kind of – outlined a trade that was very similar and he actually was uh kind of cool with it but so the trade came down today the new york jets get aaron Rodgers, and essentially what they're doing is they swap number one picks it's not much of a swap the jets were picking 13th the the packers were picking 15th so essentially they just swapped those the jets also are getting back a fifth round pick this year which is pick number 170 so the Packers get that swap, number one. They get a second-round pick this year, which is a pretty early one, number 42. Um, a sixth-round pick this year, which is pick number 207. And then next year, it's a second-round pick. But if Aaron Rodgers plays 65% of the snaps, which if he's healthy, he will, it will turn into a first-round pick. Initial thoughts. What do you feel about it? I think, the move, Jets, I think the Jets ended up coming out on top of this one that I thought they were they were going to totally just give up all the goodies for something that I don't know if it had any life left in it in the first place. And now I'm rethinking that the Jets might have the savvy to really turn this into something on their favor because essentially they're not losing much in, in draft equity. Like I just I think those pieces that they might need will be there when they need them too. And it doesn't, it doesn't affect them in the grants. And look, if, if, if they can get it this, you know, depending on how the season goes for them, mm-hmm. you know, maybe they'll be like, Aaron, you know, we want to get this guy for you next year. Take a seat, you know, relax. Eh, maybe, I don't know. It depends on how things are going. I just, you know, I, I I think it was a move that the Jets had to make. Right? Well, at this point, they were so go for broke, right? It, they their team is structurally really good. Like their defense is rock solid. Um, their offensive their offensive line is probably the biggest problem, but they have the the means to be able to get some upgrades in this draft. Um, they signed Alan Lazard, uh, who's a favorite of Rogers. They have Garrett Wilson, who was offensive rookie of the year. They had Brees Hall, who who should be healthy by the time the season comes around, yeah. who was going to be a candidate for Offensive Rookie of the Year. So they have a lot of good pieces. Now, if this was the pre-fantasy football draft episode, I would probably tell you avoid Garrett Wilson in this upcoming draft because Adam Lazard is going to be top dog in this offense because everyone's going to be guarding Wilson is going to I still think I think Wilson's good enough to, I think he's good enough to be able to beat like a lot of I think actually well, they're gonna just put double coverage on him. it's gonna open Lazard up and that's I, where that's where Rogers eye is gonna be every time man I just we'll see it's uh it's interesting we'll see it I I'm more questioning so this is my thing I think it was a move that the Jets had to make right so I agree that and I don't think the hall is that bad like honestly like, I mean when when you if paint the city, welcome to Arantown, you know, on a big banner somewhere. God, you know? they were like, really going hard in the like. It was sad watching like 
Sauce Gardner and it's, all those guys. Just like, please, Aaron, come, please. It's it's like it, like that was a thing. Like you know, like when you're at the bar and there's just a guy who's like, just he's he's tenaciously won't stop like harassing the girl to go back with them, and he's just like anything, just anything. I'll 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 do whatever you ask. Like, come on, just just come on. Please, they were simping simping your number, anything. Yeah, they were just so they were simping unbelievably hard. So, I think it was a move they had to make. I don't think it was a. I don't think this is going to pay out for them. So, I have been clear, and I let you know this. My conspiracy theory that I don't know. I don't even know if he's going to play a snap for them. Being honest, because. Eli Manning, I think it was Eli Manning talked about this uh, once that he basically said, like, you cannot be on the fence about retirement if you're a quarterback because you have to be fully invested. Like, it is such a fucking grind. And maybe he was just playing politics and, like, maybe he was just trying to, like, force Green Bay's hand. And if that is the case, then that's great. But it seems like he's legitimately was on the fence about retiring. Now, the minute that you start getting an itch of like, you know what, maybe I don't want to do this anymore. You're not fully invested. And he was really bad last year, like on, on Aaron Rodgers standards, like on good, on a regular standard, he was great. But on like an Aaron Rodgers standard, he was not good. He's almost 40. It's one thing if he's like 34, I would let it go, but he's almost 40 at this point. And I think you're kind of hitting on it, but in a weird way, it's, it's something else here. And that's that, his play is declining, but he doesn't have the self-awareness to realize that it's that it's him. And he thinks that the change of like a new place, a new break is what he needs. He doesn't realize that it's just his ability to be competitive is declining. And he's willing to delude himself into thinking, if I go somewhere else, maybe that will be the key and I'll be fine. And maybe it's true. But he doesn't know if it's him or if it's the organization at this point. Chances are it's him. I mean, I, <laughs> and... I, I will be – listen, I think I think that the, the, the Green Bay Packers never really did right by him, honestly. Um, because, like, you know, we go back and, like, it was common knowledge that, like, I think the last time that the Green Bay Packers used a first-round pick on – a wide receiver or like a skill position player was like nine. It was like in the early two thousands, like way before Rogers was even playing. I think it was like Donald driver or some shit. Um, so like they don't, they, they never really gave him top tier options. And there was always those opportunities to go get him like a number one guy. And he had Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams was a second round pick. He had Jordan Nelson, fifth round pick. He turned those guys into stars, but let's talk about, I want to talk about his numbers for a second. Okay. This was the first time that Aaron Rodgers didn't in a full season. So not counting the seasons that he was injured in. This was the first time he threw under 4,000 yards since 2015 when he had 3,800 yards. He had 3,695 this year. Um, His completion percentage was 64.6, which was lower than his, his, uh, his average. Um, His yards per, uh, his yards per attempt were the lowest since 2015. Again, Interceptions, he had 12 interceptions this year at his second career highest. He had 13 in 2008, which was his first full season. He's never thrown more than that. 12 interceptions, 26 touchdowns is the least he's had um, since 2019. 
And his QBR was a 90, it uh, was a 39.3, which is by far a career low in the, in the, uh, in like his, his actual like starting career, which by the way, 39.3 made him 26th in the NFL, uh, as far as NFL quarterback. So he was bad last year. Yeah, that's pretty bad. And now, I mean, mind you, he is coming off of seasons where he won MVP. So I think this is kind of the Russell Wilson question. Because there was a lot of people who, when the Denver Broncos made that move for Russell Wilson, they were like, he was really bad last year. Was he bad because of the system? Or was he bad because he fell off a cliff and the, the Seahawks knew it, so they got rid of him? This is going to be the argument when he comes in place for the Jets. Is like, is old Rodgers going to come back? Was last year a mirage? And it was just like he was not happy and he was not playing well? Or is it like he fell off a cliff, the Packers know it, and they're they're saving face at this point? So. It's a little bit of both, man. It's it's one hundred percent a little bit of both, you know. I don't, I don't think, think he was. I don't think he moves the needle, honestly. I don't like that. That's the thing. Like his impact will only be because it's such a different system for him, right? And people mm-hmm. won't have a re. They'll be like, "Look, we're gaming to play a certain Aaron Rodgers. It's going to take us half the season to figure out the new Jets system." Aaron Rodgers, right? He's not going to be what's predictable like like he was, you know, with the Green Bay Packers and I think that's half of it right there. But uh, inevitably it's just it seems like there's a reckoning that he needs to understand is that this is this is his setting sun. Like this is you're going into retirement very soon and you have to be ready for like, you have to admit to it. This is definitely his. Yeah. This is definitely his last stop for sure. Um, Well, it it comes to like the, it feels like he's just doing like the, I'm doing this. So I, that people compare me to Brett Favre mm -hmm. afterwards kind of thing. Like, cause his stats, his stats gotta be better than Brett Favre's right. Like, well, I mean, I think people forget like Brett Favre, in his year with the Jets, like the first half of the season, like was electric. Yeah. And then he, like, you could tell he's like getting, he's old and like, man, like by the end of the season, he was like worn down. He was beat up and he was tired. And like, it's kind of like, uh, I remember like, I compared it to like when the, the Knicks got Jason Kidd that year, I think it was like 2015, that, that year that they won 50 games, they were crushing it. Like you could tell by like Jason Kidd was like 39 at that point. He was old. He was crushing in the first half. And then like the second half of the year, he couldn't do anything. Yeah. So, yeah. um, yeah. So I, I don't know. I, l- listen, so I, I want, I want to ask you though. So we know at this point, right? Like the dolphins are pretty stacked, right? They've made some really aggressive moves lately. They have a team that was very interesting last year. Bill's, in the playoffs, right? They kind of choked, but like again, regular season, I don't have any doubts about what Josh Allen and them can do in the regular season. And then the Patriots. I know people kind of shit on the Patriots right now, but getting Bill O'Brien back, he's a legit play caller. It was arguably some of their best seasons was when he was the offensive coordinator there. Um, Mac Jones, I, I I have him as a buy candidate if like in fantasy, like he's gonna be a good late round guy who could actually pay dividends. Their defense is always rock solid, right? Do you think that this makes the Jets the favorite in the AFC East? No, and it's another weird thing for me to be like, why does Aaron Rodgers want to go to the Jets? Because in reality, I think where he was, the division was much easier, at least 
you had the smoke and mirror Vikings. Um, Don't tell that to Philly. They look, they were, they, their games were, they were able, I, I'll give them credit. They were able to keep it close. Vikings hired Brian Flores as their defensive coordinator, by the way. So I expect them to be they, a big bounce back. That is a big bounce back. Cause I think that's a, t- that's an excellent move um, mm-hmm. right there. Um, lions are, and, and the lions are, the lions are coming back too. Yeah. Um, but playoff, I, playoff team this year, by the way. But I don't, I don't think it's easier than than the road he would have in the AFC East. I don't think he's looking at it that way, honestly. I think he's looking at it like they're gonna get into the play. Like I think he views the team as a playoff, and then once you get into the playoffs. But I think he reason why he wanted to go to the Jets is like number one, it's a New York team. It's good for his like media coverage and all that, and it's gonna give him some sort endorsements. Of, but the but, minute he started talking, going on fucking Rogan, like that, like. I argued he, he should just take Tucker Carlson's spot on Fox News at eight o'clock. Perfect. <laughs> he I, he really wants to try to crack into that Jeopardy role. Uh, that's what it is. Yeah, that was weird. <laughs> um, but so I mean, but I I get why he wants to go there. The defense is their defense is fucking legit. And honestly, like the offensive line needs some upgrades, but they can get that in the draft this year and like a couple other guys. And then like Garrett Wilson, Lazard. Um, Corey Davis, and then they have the two tight ends that are pretty interesting. Brees Hall, if he's back healthy, like it's a legit offense, like with him there. They were really a quarterback away. Like Mike White got a lot out of that offense. I think Rodgers can do something, but it's a question about whether or not like the longevity is going to be the question because like that Bills team is really good. That Dolphins team is exciting. I, I just I don't think they have what it takes to beat those guys out and then again in the asc the road is going to run through kansas city so it's like can he beat mahomes in like the afc championship game and like that's going to be the question so i don't i don't know i'm not sold on this move for the jets i think it was a good move it was a move that they had to make but i'm telling you right now gato i also would not be surprised if aaron Rodgers never plays a snap for them i wouldn't be surprised I wouldn't be surprised if by like July or August he's like, I'm I'm fucking sick of this shit. I'm retired. That would be amazing. It actually. would be pretty funny. It would be pretty but, funny. Uh, but like, why would he do like basically he's just doing Green Bay a favor? I mean, it just doesn't He's seem... an agent of chaos. I don't know. I think the deep down my side conspiracy theory. Deep down inside, I don't know, because I think he's his ego is gonna drive him to play. Like Deep he does have inside. a massive ego, so yeah, deep, you're right. Deep down inside, he's trying to find excuses as to why his performance is slipping, and it's causing him a midlife crisis of sorts. Yeah. And that's why he's like, well, I'll go to the Jets, because, look, if it doesn't work out, I can always blame it on the Jets being the Jets. <laughs> yeah, Right? True. The Jets will figure out a way to lose the game themselves. And yep. so, he can't be held fully accountable if his performance is bad because it's a shaky organization. It's mm-hmm. a fucked up way of getting out of your, you know, getting out of the criticism or, you yeah. know, softening the softening, the hard points for your ego. But yeah. like, it's kind of a nice fit for him. If he's worried about his performance in any way being detrimental for this organization. Right. right? Because people are, way too mega focused on like his performance in green bay so he can't get past that and maybe he's 
thinking it's purely psychological and being out of that environment will allow him to thrive again. Either way, this is a it, it, it comes down to a desperate quarterback feeling like he's at the end of his rope. And the thing with Aaron Rodgers is he is someone who does do better in that type of hater vacuum. Yeah. <laughs> that it might be enough to make him become dominant again even if it's ever so slightly that's that's an interesting point because like i think the couple years ago they had said he kind of fallen off and that's when he had like the back-to-back mvp season so yeah he might he yeah you might see like a a real like resurgent rogers because he's just like oh yeah i fucking suck okay yeah i'll show you the best thing the jets could do right now is just have people criticize him and the team for for all of this because it would probably work in their favor hmm that's good. That's a good point. It's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, anything you, anything else you wanted to comment on about that? Uh, oh, so the draft is coming up. I know you don't really pay attention to much of the draft stuff. Um, so is there anybody that maybe you have been kind of looking at for the giants at pick number 25? It's kind of hard to gauge because we don't know who's going to be there, but I actually did want to bring up something that I had seen uh, if you had seen that an NFL executive had made some statements regarding mm-hmm. the testing that CJ Stroud. Um, yeah. Had. Well, and CJ Stroud I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah. He, he called him a big bust and said he was one of the lowest scores. He scored in the 18th percentile of mm-hmm. the, uh, what was the test called? The T2 test or yep. what was it? Yeah. The, uh, the, uh, yeah, the, uh, I believe it's the S2. S2, um, T2, yeah. yeah. T2. So, T2's for really- Terminators. <laughs> Skynet, Skynet is allowed. Skynet approved. <laughs> um, so there was – so this is interesting because there is – this is what happens every single fucking year. Um, an NFL coach came out this – this. Uh, so I want to read something um, about Bruce Feldman. If you don't know who Bruce Feldman is, he puts out a freak list every year, like the most freaky athletes in the draft. It's a fucking awesome read, so I always recommend his work. Um, he had this to say about putting too much reliance on the test when evaluating Stroud. Quote, I feel like every year now there's one, they pick one guy to drag through the mud at the end, and now it's CJ. Where is this coming from? When you meet him, he's very nice, very humble. A lot of stuff analytically that has come out is not good, but I think we're still early in S2 stuff. Is there really enough data? The total score is not important. A good overall score doesn't mean that they scored high in what's important. And he nailed it that this happens every fucking year. Last year was Kayvon Thibodeau, by the way, who ended up becoming a Giants guy, very productive. Literally won the Giants a game single-handedly this past season. They do this every single fucking year because there's some team that's waiting in the fucking wings they see a guy who's kind of losing well, losing steam. Notice how this came out the minute that the Panthers, all of a sudden, the favorite became Bryce Young, right? Mm-hmm. So everyone's like, oh, Bryce Young's the betting favorite to go number one. And it seemed like that's who the Panthers are going to take at number one. The minute that happened, all of a sudden, this fucking CJ Stroud shit comes out because there's some team that's sitting at like maybe the Raiders at seven, maybe the Falcons at eight that are sitting there going, please fall to me, please fall to me, please. So they start trashing him. I I have not seen anything from CJ Stroud that would make. And by the way, the S2 test, there are some people that have scored very high. Uh, we talked about the kid from San Francisco uh, last year. I, the name escaping me. Um, the backup quarterback. Oh, uh, oh uh, Brock, Brock Purdy. Purdy. 
Purdy. Purdy, Mahomes, Josh oh, Allen. Yeah, they scored very high. High scores, yeah. But there's no historical data that shows that, like, by scoring high on this test, you are automatically going to be a good quarterback. There's no evidence it, to prove that. I mean, if you look at the th- the example of all, all three of those, um, only one has proven themselves and it, at, at this point. You know what right. I mean? Like, so it's – yeah, it's hit or miss. I think I think this is pure – I think this is honestly purely just some team trying to trash him to get him to fall to them. Because, by the way, it's also come out. We thought this was going to be quarterback, quarterback. Um, we honestly thought that like some team might trade into number three with the Cardinals and might go quarterback, quarterback, quarterback. Texans have basically been putting it out there that they're not taking a quarterback at two. So it looks like we might get Bryce Young at one. And then we don't know where these quarterbacks are going to land. Now, the one thing I will say about that one is that maybe the Texans are farming or fishing to see if anybody is interested in making a deal. And that's why they are saying that. Because if they're not going to take the quarterback at two, now maybe someone at five or not, or five, seven, or nine, right? Like your Raiders, for instance, might want to trade up now. Right. And lock that in. Well, there's also a report that came out the other day that apparently the Texans were very close to acquiring the number one pick uh, before the Panthers did. So that would argue that they are interested in quarterback. Now it's possible that they're only interested in like maybe they're only interested in Bryce Young. Um, and it is interesting how this kind of stuff came out pretty much after Bryce Young became the favorite. So maybe the, maybe Bryce Young is really just the only guy that people are like super interested in mm-hmm. at quarterback. Um, so but it's, it it's like one of those. It's like one of those poker things, right? Like everybody everybody has a favorite in their hand, and no one yeah. wants to really say who it is. It wouldn't, that, you know. Yeah, it wouldn't shock me by the way if the Texans don't take a quarterback. Because it's possible that they know that they're going to be a bad team again this year, and they're looking at the 2024 guys. Caleb Williams is widely considered to be the easy favorite to be the number one pick next year. Like he is a Mahomes level prospect. Like he's legitimate. And then there's um, the kid Drake May from North Carolina, who's very good, and I think is going is, is he pull, if he follows up with another strong season, he's going to be a legit top five prospect too. It's- so I, th- I think there are guys that like maybe they're like not interested in like a guy outside of Bryce Bryce Young and even Bryce Young has his issues. So we've talked about this. So, um, so I don't know. I, I'm, I'm this is going to be one of the more interesting drafts I've seen in the last few years because we legitimately really don't have an idea of who's going where. Um, there there can be many surprises. The only thing I'm feeling pretty confident about at this point is that number one pick is going to be a quarterback, obviously. But I don't. I'm not fully convinced that it's Bryce Young yet. Until I hear Bryce Young is the number one pick, I'm not fully convinced yet. Yeah, I I mean we are days away, right? So we're gonna Thursday. Know, yep. Yeah, we we're gonna know very, very shortly what that what it actually comes down to. Um and and I, I gotta be honest, I kind of wish I was going, man. Kansas City, barbecue, draft It'll probably be a really good fucking time as long as there's not like a tornado that decides to come. I almost ended. I I almost. Yeah. No. Exactly. I almost ended up going to the draft last year in Vegas. um, Oh, that would have been good time. Yeah, that would have been. That would have been sick. Yeah, I'm excited Uh, for the Giants. I know you are not like the biggest. I'm a draft nerd. I like. I cap to that. Like, 
I've told everybody I'm a huge draft nerd. It's my like, it's my favorite time of the year. Um, so for the Giants, though, um, I'm really hoping there's a couple guys, but I'm feeling like this is like this has been argued, by the way, by a lot of people that this is probably one of the weaker drafts in the last like maybe five or six years. Like it's not good. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as like first round grades, like there's not a lot of first round grades. So for the Giants, I'm really hoping we end up walking away with a corner. Like I've there's a lot of corners in this draft that I'm really fucking interested in. Um, got how old does like you know like I've argued like the best way to feel old is to start seeing sons of players you we watched as like a younger person growing like all of a sudden they're draft eligible. Um, Joey Porter, who was a linebacker for the Steelers, his son is a corner for Penn State. Um, he's one of my dream picks uh, for the Giants at twenty five. He will not be there. He's gonna it's gonna break my heart, but like. I really want to. I, I don't want the Giants to walk away with a receiver unless it's the kid from Ohio State, Jackson Smith and Jigba, or Zay Flowers, wide receiver from Boston College. Um, for you, for the Giants, if they walked away, like, is there any position that you think the Giants need the most at this point? Um, you know, I would have said probably before uh, free agency started this year um, that. It would have been middle linebacker, and I'm feeling quite confident there. Your Karake, great, great um, pickup. I still think the place that we are lacking depth is going to be the receiving, uh, yeah. receiving position. I, um, I would like us to tighten up our pass defense in general because let's face it, like we're going to get slashed and burned by the Eagles again this year. Um, I want to point out though, Gatto, today I know, I know, I they, know signed, yeah. they signed they signed Robinson today, um, oh. which was a fucking great signing. I, I don't know what the, the financials are on it, but like this defensive line is starting to look nasty. Well, and that's the other thing, right? Is that last year I feel like we we were about a half step behind really getting a good pressure on a um on an opponent. And the run defense can, was awful. Yeah, if we can, if we can really, and that's why we've also gone out and we've looked at doing, um, doing exactly that, fixing, fixing our holes, making it really hard to push people around on that front line during runs. Um, and I think we're, we're, you know, we're doing all the right stuff. Like, come on, man, Johnny's the man. I love it. Uh, they signed the, the. I I can't pronounce his name, uh, but his nickname is Nacho, so I'm going to call him Nacho. They signed uh, the defensive lineman from the Tampa Bay Bucks, uh, Nacho. He's a 330-pounder, big dude. Um, Dexter Lawrence most likely going to be getting an extension soon. Leonard Williams, it looks like he's going to stay. They, despite his high cap number, it doesn't look like they're going to touch him. And then mm-hmm. signing Ashawn Robinson today, it is a huge get. And honestly, mm-hmm. is going to put them in a huge spot to be able to play better run defense. Getting Bobby Okereke, a middle linebacker. They're fixing the issues, but I argue yeah. that I think the pass defense is the biggest problem. Julian Love is gone. Yes. Um, yeah, so yeah. now that's going to leave a hole at safety. I'm going to I'm gonna predict the Giants pick because I like to do this every year, and I've actually kind of been nailing it. But, like, Joe Shane makes it harder because, like, I knew what Dave Gettleman was going to do. I knew what Jerry Reese was going to do because they were so fucking obvious. Um, this is going to be a harder one because the Giants are usually picking in the top ten. This year, they're picking 25. Um, mm-hmm. We don't know who's going to be there, but I'm going to throw out their name that I think the Giants are going to get. I think they're going to get a corner. I think his name his name's Emmanuel Forbes um, from Mich- uh, Mississippi State. Really like this kid a lot. 
He's very light. He's only 160 something pounds. He's, he's not very like big, but he's long. He's got long arms. Two numbers point out with him. Okay. And this is like shocking because he played in the SEC 14 and six. Okay. Mm-hmm. 14 career interceptions at Mississippi State at over, I think, three or four years. Six touchdowns. He's a playmaker. Mm-hmm. Now, he's not really being considered as like a top first round pick like no one's really kind of putting him in there because there are concerns about his lean frame but he's a playmaker and that's something that the giants have sorely missed they were near bottom in interceptions last year yeah love adory jackson we need a number two corner to be able to like step up i think for at least for this year he can be an easy number two corner for them um i didn't see like i watched some of his stuff i didn't see a guy who looked like he weighed 160 something pounds but like the fact that this dude had six, uh, six interceptions he returned for touchdowns. Again, he didn't play at fucking. He didn't play in the Pac-12. He wasn't playing in fucking some fucking rinkies dink school. He was playing at Mississippi State. It's the SEC. He's yeah. going against the top tier schools. Yeah. So it's a he, it's a testing ground for sure. It's the best proving 100%. ground in in college football. Yeah. So I I'm not too worried about receiver. I know you're worried about receiver. I'm not as worried I, about receiver. When it comes to offensive skill positions, I think, and we're seeing this trend right now specifically about with running backs, is yeah. they are commodity. You get much later in the drafts now because you kind of just beat them into the ground and beat them to a pulp anyhow. Yeah. I think um, there's nothing that necessarily indicates, like, well, I can't say that because I think about some previous drafts, uh, previous recent drafts, and, I mean, unless you're getting, like, you know, some top like LSU receiver or something. Yeah. It's probably not worth that that first round pick. This receiving know? class, by the way, not even close to last year's. Yeah. Like, not even close. There was two guys that I mentioned before, Jackson Smith and Jigbo, who was the wide receiver at Ohio State. And then there's yeah. a Flowers yeah. wide receiver at Boston College. Those are my guys that I think are the top two and only guys that I would be like pretty comfortable with the Giants taking at 25. There's guys like Jordan Addison from USC. There's Quentin Johnston from TCU, who I was very high on, not as high on anymore as like I've seen uh, some of his. Like you see some of his issues, and you're like, oh man, I kind of missed that. So yeah. those are two guys that I could see the Giants taking at 25, but I would probably not be as enthused. Mm-hmm. The only things that I think like the only position where I would be like I call I have I refer to them as throw the remote picks, like where you would like get so mad you throw the remote would be center. Um, as much as I want an upgraded center, I don't see any of these guys worth a first-round pick. Um, there's two guys, John Michael Schmitz and uh, the kid from Wisconsin. I can't remember his name. Um, yeah, and and I would, I would say it, it seems. Well, here's my question though: is like, there's this also this like shit or get off the pot scenario too for me because it's like I don't know where the direction of like you know linemen are going over the next few years but i don't i've i've also heard like that size is declining amongst amongst linemen and everything like in the and and i'm just like this kind of i've been seeing some of these prospects they've been highlighting some of them um you know in some segments on espn or what have you and i'm like that guy's fucking small He's a very small lineman, and they're trying to make it sound like, no, this is good. But until, like, the entire direction of the league has had to go in that direction, like, these guys are going to get 
their lunch taken from them every single fucking day. I'm going to slightly disagree only because shout out to Big Blue Banter. Um, it's Giants podcast I listen to. Very, very good. They do a lot of talking about like analytics and draft stuff. And what's interesting is that a lot of the top, especially interior offensive linemen, uh, guards, the one thing that they've been noticing is that like a lot of the guys who end up succeeding at the next level are guys that are dominating at like the 10 yard split. So like when you run a 40 yard dash, essentially they time how fast you get to 10 yards. Right. So like, cause if you mm-hmm. run like a, like a shitty 40, right. But then they see that you ran a really fast 10 yards. All right. Well, you're an offensive lineman. You're not going to be fast on 40 yards. You're going to be, but if you're fast in the first 10 yards, that means you have short area quickness. How many times are offensive linemen running down 40 yards down the field? Very no, rare, if, right? And, and if you do more than 10 yards, you're probably getting a flag anyhow, right? Right, so. exactly. Right. <laughs> so so they've been seeing that guys who highlight very fat, like are very good at 10-yard splits or historically. Like the, the same thing I've noticed with I, pass rushers and three-cone drill. Yeah. Guys who have really good three-cone drill, like those are, end, up, end up being guys. So like I, athleticism over like – Big powerhouse guys. I would argue that the metric of the forty yard uh, forty yard dash is probably one of the worst ones. And I'm not talking about the football. forty. I'm talking about the ten yard split. Oh no no no! I dash. and that's what I'm saying. And and that's the funny thing is that like the first the first ten yards, it's yeah. the explosiveness. This is an explosive sport, and really by the time that ten yards is passed, plays over the play is the play is by you, right? Like yeah. it's just so fast. That is way more of a barometer than I think the 40 in itself or anything, you know, like yeah. that's great for finding out like a wide receiver's like max out speed, right? Because they'll have accelerated it enough for that. But I don't think for most like linemen, it's all about the explosiveness. It's and, and when we played football back in the day, mm-hmm. I I always felt like, you know, yeah, you might be able to run the 40, but like the guy that was able to run the 40 was the easiest one to block. Always True. the easiest one to block because yeah. they move their legs too much. Right. <laughs> they didn't have enough time to plant. So if you can explode out and then you're forcing from there, it's a different game. Well, it's like well, like pass rushers. Like, you know, Joey Bosa was an infamous one for, for this. So, like, I've argued that the best way to gate, like, and again, it's not a perfect science, but, like, there's a thing called a three-cone drill. You ever seen a three-cone drill? Yeah, I hate it. Okay. it- blew out my knee a couple times i know it sucks <laughs> but like it, i think if, if you run a sub there are historical standards that running a sub seven second three cone drill is a good indicator of whether or not um you're going to be able to be a good pass rusher at the next level there are some outliers but like typically if a guy's running above seven seconds they're not historically going to be good pass rushers like von miller was infamous being 250 pounds he ran like a six seven it was some like some crazy fucking number And I remember Joey Bosa got a lot of flack coming out because they looked at Joey Bosa. He ran like a four nine and they were like, Mm -hmm. ew. But then you you look at his three cone. He ran like a six, eight something. And I was like, I don't care about he's not running 40 yards down the field. He's going to be running. So like going back to your angles. Yeah. Running the arc, running around like offensive linemen. If you can do that fast, I don't care about your 40 yard. His 10 yard split was really good. So that meant. He ran really fast for about 15 he, to 20 yards, and then he slowed down because he's fucking 300 pounds. You know? Yeah. But he's he's good in a phone booth, and that's all I care about. So that's when it comes to guards. If you can get to the next level quickly, and if you can get – if you can – like you don't have to be the strongest guy, especially because we are seeing defensive side guys. Linebackers are now 230 pounds. Defensive linemen are like 280 pounds now. They're not as big as they used to be. 
So mm-hmm. I'd much rather invest in a guard that is fast and athletic than a guy who's like 360 pounds and can like bench press like, you know, it, 360 pounds, whatever. Yeah, it, and you know, it's like I love I love the kind of the beauty or the ebb and flow of of like football in that sense, right? Because we run into this thing of like, you know, the new trend is to have lighter defensive players because the offense has changed like the offensive play calling has changed to where it's more option heavy right and so what what ends up happening we get lighter faster defensive guys which means we get lighter faster offensive uh linemen and next thing you know we're going to be back to having heavy powerful backs right <laughs> so like it's just the ebb and flow of yeah. of how football kind of operates right and, and until somebody builds a really small team and then they're like yeah, we're going back to power running and like you exactly. know like, yeah yeah no exactly. it's, it's true it's true it, it is it is a game of ebbs and flows it's a great point um cuz yeah it, it's it's constantly changing until we hit a, like a fever pitch and then like everyone's like, we're going back this way. That's why the run game has become more important again to where yeah. it wasn't. I don't think, um, I don't think any, I want to talk about Saquon for a second because we haven't really talked about Saquon. Um, and then we can, uh, start heading into, uh, uh, picks. Um, I don't know how this is going to go. So uh, Saquon Barkley made a really big move because the, 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 and again, this is all based off of like what beat writers have said. Okay. He wanted 16 million apparently. The Giants offered him 12, which I think was fair because that's what Derrick Henry got. That's what Aaron Jones got. So I think it was very much in line with those contracts. He apparently turned it down. Obviously, the Giants slapped the franchise tag on him, which is 10 million. And then all of a sudden, Miles Sanders, who was arguably the number one back that was available because Josh Jacobs also got tagged as well, he signs with the Carolina Panthers. For six million a year. Now, Miles Sanders, if you look up his numbers from last year, on par with how Saquon did last season, he got six million per year. So mm-hmm. now apparently the rumor is that the Giants have pulled their offer of $12 million a year and are basically like, we're just gonna let him play out. Because the mm-hmm. running back market has become so bad at this point. Aaron Jones, by the way, took a pay cut to stay in Green Bay. The mm-hmm. running back market has become so bad that now Saquon, I I feel like he's got to be kicking himself for not taking that twelve million a year. Um, I don't know what the I don't know what the contract would have been like. I don't know if there was like a lot of guaranteed money, but it looks like he's not going to be there. But I want to throw something past you for a second, and I want to see what your reaction is because I think you were very pro drafting Saquon at, at two. Am I correct? You I was that? I was very all yeah I was I was totally in on Saquon. Um, I thought I thought he had the right attitude for a back to be successful in the New York market, and uh, even through his struggles, he's he's remained a fan favorite in a lot of ways. And yeah. I think he's all together. He's like, you know, a great guy to have on your team. You know, I he want is. him to be there. But it's it's hard because like like allocating a lot of money to that is really tough. Uh, but like this is what I'm going to argue. There's a run, there's a running back in this draft named John Robinson. He plays at the University of Texas. Mm-hmm. arguably like might be one of the best running back prospects to come out in the last few years. I've talked about this. I'm not usually a draft of running back in the first round. I was not pro Saquon at two. I did not want that. I wanted the quarterback, but if the giants are picking at 25 and Bajan Robinson is there, 
I think I might make an exception here. And I, I think there's two reasons why. Number one, we talked about how this is not a strong draft. So getting a guy that you can consider maybe a top five prospect in this draft at 25 is pretty good. At 25, his contract won't be that bad. And you're getting four years with a guaranteed fifth year option built into it. And obviously, like, I think they're playing hardline with Saquon at this point. So I'd argue that Saquon is probably gone after the season. He might get traded before even then, especially if they draft Robinson. I'm willing to make an exception in this case for Bajan Robinson. Um, how would you feel if the Giants ended up taking a running back at 25? So the one one thing we have to think about, like, in, in the grand scheme of things is, like, we got to kind of support Daniel Jones now, right? And, like, I think maybe part of the reason why we've been very aggressive in the offseason towards the the roles of defense is because maybe we're looking at getting some young pieces to go along with, you know, or support Daniel Jones and see what he can do considering the money. Right. And I, I just, I think they know that they're going to need like when Saquon was healthy, running sharp, right. Jones was also having career days. Right. So the number, the splits with Saquon playing Jones has played much better, which makes sense because having a good run game. But like, I think we saw it though, that towards the end of the season, he kind of started slowing down a little bit. And, and that's, and that's why, you know, in one way I'm like Saquon, you know, should have taken the money when it was there. Right. And it would have been egg on the giants, the giants face for that one. We would have taken. We would have like, signed him to a twelve million dollar deal when, like, the other running backs wouldn't. I mean, he probably would have yeah. elevated the running back market, but like, you know. But but that's like he's he's also got to got to realize too that like there is he has some shortcomings, and if he's not going to be humble enough to take take the lower pay, you know, who knows where he'll end up. I blame his representatives, thing. honestly. Like his yeah, rep they got burnt. Yeah, they should have known better that the running back market was not very was not very high, and like honestly, like the negotiations start at ten as far as I'm concerned. If that if that's the franchise tag, so it's just sad to see because I I really like Saquon, but like deep down there's part of me where I'm like, man, we could draft a John Robinson at 25, and again, this is I, I'm not advocating for this. I'm just saying like it would be kind of interesting have Saquon and Bajon Robinson as a one two combo this year. And then next year, let Saquon walk and you got a a star running back at a really cheap price for the next four years. So, yeah, I mean, it also depends on where Giants see themselves falling after the season, too. Like, here's a question for you. Do you Mm -hmm. think Giants will do better, worse or the same as last year? Depends on the schedule. I, I forgot who they're playing this oh, year. Much harder schedule. This it's going to be a tougher it schedule. Way. Yeah, it's going to be think, tougher. I think they went from uh, did, did they already say that it went? They, from play, they played the AFC South teams. last year. Yeah. I mean, you're playing the Texans, you're playing the Colts, you're playing second the fucking... easiest schedule to what is potentially being the 20th, I think, or something like that. Yeah, it sounds about right. Yeah, because I think I think they're playing the NFC, they're playing the AC East this year. That's right, they're playing the AC East this year. They're playing the Jets, they're playing the Bron- the Bills, they're playing the Dolphins, they're playing the Patriots. 
So, okay. So, yeah, there was the AFC East that I was thinking. I don't know who in the NFC they're playing. Um, I forgot. It might be the NFC West, which would be fucking Ooh. terrible. Yeah, um, I think you might be right. It's it's <sighs> not easy. It's not it's not a good schedule. Hold on, let me let me just pull it up real quick because like I, I it's it, yeah. Why like, are we speculating about this? We have the technology. Yeah, no, yeah, we have the technology. <laughs> right? Um, hold on. Vamping, vamping, vamping. Um, but I, so there's no schedule out this year. But I need to know who their opponents are. Uh, um, so they are obviously, so they're going to, okay. So the giants have home games versus the Cowboys, the Eagles, commanders, obviously Packers, Jets, Patriots, Rams, and Seahawks. And they're on the road against the Cowboys, Eagles, Commanders, obviously. Saints, mm-hmm. Raiders, Cardinals, 49ers, Dolphins, Bills. So they are playing the NFC West and they're playing the AFC East, which not great because and it, it, uh, arguably you can argue I think the Cardinals are dog shit and they're going to be terrible this year, but like the Niners, the fucking Seahawks like not great. Um, and then obviously the AFC East. Now that you're going to be playing an Aaron Rodgers led Jets, mm-hmm. Josh Allen and the Bills, Tua and the Dolphins, and then the Patriots, which, you know, Bill Belichick always plays the Giants pretty tough. So it's, it's not great. But I'd argue if we can make a couple upgrades here in the draft, I still think we are going to be a resilient team. Um, so I'm not really that worried about like, I also, I want to see how the schedule kind of plays out as far as the bye weeks and everything like that. So. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not as worried because like I have a lot of faith in these guys, man. Like that's the thing. That's what's so different about this time is that like to where I felt like every win under the Joe judge and Pat Shermer errors were like lucky and fluky. Like I have confidence. Like I'm, I look at these guys and I'm like, yeah, my Kafka and Wink Martindale and all these guys, like I'm feel good about them. It's just the lack of, question like i don't have to feel like i'm going to be questioning their judgment exactly right? like that's yeah. the <laughs> that's where the confidence is is that it's like we we can feel confident that the right call is going to be made on the field and that yeah. the right call is being made personnel wise you know in, in through the season right so like i feel better i can sleep better at night knowing at the end of the day it's just player performance and 100%. it's it's one thing if like a a team is just outplays you or is just better or get some some luck but it's another thing when you're just fucking up and you know shooting yourself in the foot and that yeah. was what we were getting under other regimes for the longest yep. time i so, i agree yeah. yeah so i'm interested to see how this draft goes for the giants this is uh because also i i think last year we forget that joe shane signed he actually got hired in late january mm-hmm. which basically is around the time that like people are getting prepared for the combine. So he was preparing as a Buffalo bills assistant GM. He comes into the giants. He's working with guys that by the way, he fired afterwards, which obviously is pretty normal. Um, Like you're going to bring in your own guys. So this is his first full. And what's interesting is every guy that they drafted last year came in for a top 30 visit. So he basically ignored everything that the scouts gave him. And he was like, no, these are the guys that I met with and I trust. So there were some picks that I was kind of like, man, he took those guys a little early. He he seems like he was just targeting his guys, which I appreciate. This is his first full off season where his scouting team is in there. 
his full team is in there. Yeah. Every guy that's there is like his guy. So I'm interested to see how this draft goes. Um, I there's a couple routes that I think it could go, and I th- I'm I'm tempted. I'm I'm really interested to see how how who he ends up going with. So yeah, I mean it's exciting stuff for sure. Uh, yeah, we'll do we'll do a full uh, episode on the draft afterwards, and I think we can uh, get an idea of where where the Giants ended up going. So <laughs> yeah, I think I'll be in Guantanamo again. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> This is something I can like talk about for like an hour straight. So, yeah, you and you and Lib ass Tom. <laughs> All right, so we we both decided that in honor of Tucker Carlson getting fired, I think the asshole of the week kind of seals it there. That I think we uh, we can just we can call Fox and Tucker honorary assholes of the week. Uh, enjoy shooting yourselves in the foot. Uh, so I was just unless you have anybody, yeah, exactly. So I figured we'd just jump right into picks. Um, I saw uh, the new Evil Dead movie, Evil Dead Rise, last night. It's fucking scary kicked, as kicked fuck. fucking ass. I lo- Sam Raimi was heavily involved in it, uh, which is great. You can see, even though he was not the director, uh, that was Lee Cronin, um, who was the director of this one. I believe Lee Cronin also, I believe, did the 2013 one. Um, I oh no, no, I'm sorry, that was that was somebody else. Um, so. It definitely had the feel of it for anybody who's a fan of the Evil Dead series. Every movie has taken place in the cabin in the woods, right? And this is the first time that it's like in a major city. The shit is loose. Um, It it is very much only in the apartment complex, which I was like kind of a bummer. I was hoping to kind of see it on the streets. Um, We don't get that, unfortunately, but it was it fucking kicked ass. It was bloody. It was silly. It was definitely scary at some point so uh definitely recommend uh it's worth going to the theater it's good to see in a crowd the crowd was very good um, yeah. it was, it was it's <laughs> it, there's that's funny. what no it's it's you know because like one of the things i don't like to do is go to see horror movies a lot of times with crowds if it's not like the first week that it comes out yeah because you get a lot of bad reactions from crowds and definitely the crowd can only build build a scary movie or heart hurt it like it's just yeah. it's not like <laughs> it's if they're not into it it's just like the effect is not there right yeah i i i definitely agree with that there have been some times where i'm like this you know like and like i i, I remember i saw like the conjuring or something some one of those movies with a crowd and it was a bunch of teenagers and they ruined it for me like i couldn't like they were wouldn't stop talking um, the crowd I was with, they were like ooing and aahing and like screaming at the right point. So mm-hmm. it was very cool. Um, I enjoyed it. I had a great time. Uh, so I definitely, I definitely recommend it. if you have the capability of going to the theater to see it. I definitely recommend it. Nice. Yeah. What do you got? Um, you know what? I'm not sure if this one has been um, brought up before, um, but I had seen the trailer for it not too long ago. Um, and I have gotten a great review from someone who has impeccable taste. And um, it is a show featuring Brian Cranston, Your Honor. Uh, the last, se- the newest season has come out. I this is probably a couple weeks now, I think. Mm-hmm. But I've been kind of under a rock, kind of busy with um, Guantanamo 
<laughs> that's that's what some call it. Others might call it a job. I, I don't know. Um, but uh, from what I've heard, it is absolutely fantastic. Brian Cranston, again, is the lead. It is a show revolving around the crime committed. A crime is committed by the son of a judge. Um, a another person is wrongfully accused and a family that is in organized crime is essentially um, out for revenge. And it is kind of the three worlds of these these families, these groups of people coming together in the most un- twisted, not twisted in that sense, but in such a twisted way where they're all kind of mixed together that uh, everyone says it's it's shocking and it, it makes for very compelling episodes. And most people have been able to binge through it so fast because it's so absorbing and so easy to get into. Yeah, I've heard, uh, I've heard, I, I, it's one of those shows that I've seen like a lot of like trailers and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But, like I haven't like ever like sat down. I, I love Brian Cranston, Breaking Bad, obviously. Um, I, I like his, his drama acting. So yeah, it's one of those shows that I just haven't really gotten to. Uh, but I definitely want to, um, I think it's what second season now. Yes. It's the second season. Okay. Yep, That's correct. Yeah. I'll have to, I'll have to dig into that eventually. Um, I, I yeah. just feel like I'm so behind on everything. So it's like, it's hard. <laughs> Tell me about it too. I know. Like, <laughs> I, I just like, there's so many shows that are like, Oh, you got to watch this. And I'm like, I like, my list is already like so big. It's like, I'll just mm-hmm. add it to the bottom of the list. But uh, yeah, yeah, so I'll, I'll have to dig into that. I, I, I have not, I have not seen anything of it. So yeah, that's your honor season two. Cool. Go check that out, man. Cool. Anything else you wanted to bring up? Um, I mean, if Tom was here, I'm sure he had, he'd have a pick about a book. Yeah, um, some, some you know something about shit. a federal program that changed the scope of America and altered its way forever. <laughs> um, and uh, that's that's about it, Tom. We don't miss you that much. We're just yeah, kidding. Fuck, fuck you, Tom. Just kidding. <laughs> Yeah, and obviously, um, you know, just to put the housekeeping in order, um, you know, go to fucking Apple, download, re-download it, download it again, five stars, give us five stars, don't be a dick. And uh, yeah, you can find us everywhere. People know the deal at this point. Uh, So yeah, so if that's it, Gatto, have a great one, man. It's a great show. And uh, we will see you guys probably next week. Yeah. Bye. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> okay, let's get me a rhythm. Follow me. We are, we are and then he says, and I'm not kidding you, he goes, now clap. Please clap. Just clap for that, you stupid bastard. I need applause to live. Go ahead, make your jokes, Mr. Jokey. Joke maker. Ha! <laughs> suck it, Jack Sparrow. <laughs>